Silent night. Well, not tonight. Try tomorrow. Because tonight is the loudest night all damn week because I'm Tarki and this is a merry home companion. I'm Muslim, leave me alone. Ugh. Honestly, it's more like violent night. It's kind of a Merry Christmas, Mr. Lawrence situation with all the torture and human rights violations that go on here. Oh god, now all the conservatives are like, see, see, proof of the Islamist war on Christmas. But it's, it's not them, it's me, because I'm just kind of the war on anything nice or good or decent in this world. Ugh. Well, anyways, much like Santa, I'm her suit, cute, and unlike him, incredibly stoned, but that could be argued because if you're one of those people who are like, ah, Santa is red and white because of ancient shamans chomping on deathcap mushrooms so they can see some stuff, then you're like, ah, much like Santa, the archaic, uh, primitive Santa. Uh, Donna is also, is also high. There, there you go. Um, each episode, I try my damnest to host a nice little comedy talk show while more blitzed than blitzen. Just kidding. I'm Donner the reindeer, as in Donner Arky. What are the other reindeer, anyways? I don't know. What are they called? Thrasher, Cancer. I'm gonna change Prancer because you know he's my kind of pansy. And who else is there? Uh, Nixon and Vomit and Stupid, I think. And then the most important to recall, most famous of all, RuPaul the pantyhose wearing reindeer. That's the most important reindeer because who else could lead a sleigh as an SLAY? Anyways. Depending on the weight of the mood, I can do each segment no problem. Other times, I won't be able to make it through, and who knows how it'll end up or where I'll go. That's why we start off each show with retractions and corrections, where I correct mistakes, answer questions brought up in the previous episode, or tell you what I was trying to say in last week's segment but was too high to get through to. This week's retractions and corrections. Honestly, this is this is such this is this is a heretic home companion because technically I shouldn't be doing this episode. But this is proof that um, you know, if you are an immigrant and you're like, hmm, cultural assimilation, can it be done? And can I do it to my children and be somewhat successful? Yes. You can, but sometimes things go wrong and you, you know, you get kids who you, you're like, you know, they're like, we, we, we like Christmas better than the other stuff that we're supposed to like, or, you know, maybe we got some hangups about, we got some feelings like bubble up year after year. We don't know why, what a call. I don't know. Uh, if you're, you know, or you know, that can happen. Um, or you can have it go wrong, and then you'll have kids, especially queer and or trans ones, you know, ones like where I'm, I'm afoot, 
they will end up becoming diaspora poets and they will write poems where they where they're like my mother's a pomegranate her tongue was pomegranate seeds arrows you know that kind of poetry and it can either be milk and honey at its worst and most derivative but even the good stuff i'm like you're saying mother and father i know you call your parents mommy and daddy in real life how dare you anyways they like talking about liminal spaces and the various flora never really fauna you never have someone be like ah i wish i could be like the noble you know and we got a lot of donkeys in iran donkey you know like they're not gonna do that ever you're a plant you're you're not you know you're not shrek's sidekick whatsoever <coughs> anyway <coughs> shape or form and uh the reason i know all <coughs> about this is because i had a stint as a diaspora poet because i was like oh i'm embarrassed and ashamed of being funny because i think that me being funny and me is the reason people are mean to me so if i stop genius idea if i stop being me then there's no me for people to be mean to and i have therefore halted all abuse upon my entire being psychically physically armored and uh no more me i'm gonna be normal and then i did a very homosexual kitschy version of trying to be normal where i was like in the and i was also like i could be bisexual at most i might not pass the straight but i could say i'm bi but i'm gay and i was like ah in high camp gay fashion i shall model my new unfunny poetic dr Zhivagoian stuff like i wasn't gonna be dr Zhivago. i was gonna you know like i was gonna write poems in secret and then nobody would know it was me until after i died a tragic death of heartbreak you know cling 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 with the troy that's how i really am though i'm kind of more like that leech me in st louis indeed this is a joke from last week i'm using it again because i know i'm leeching up your time blathered away instead of doing the retraction correction but anyways i was in denial of what i was and then I was like, <coughs> my heterosexual self shall be modeled. I mean, bisexual self shall be modeled, but leaning towards more heterosexual because I can do it. I am not terrified of men. They don't make me have panic attacks if you're just thinking about it. Ooh, I'm too high to be talking about that. Ooh, there's some feelings rising because it's, it's a little too like I said, Stonebone, just like. Certain when he was being invented in Cy when people are just beating him in Siberia and stuff, according to that mushroom theory. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's a common one. <laughs> They're like, oh, that's where the reindeer come from. And I, <coughs> I remember if that's real or not. So attraction and correction for next week, uh, if that's valid. But anyways, I was like, new, erring to the side of heterosexual, bisexual little moi. I'm gonna be 
Taking Elements from Julie Vinochet in Three Colors Blue. And um, I think I like was talking to a friend about this and I'm like, somebody needs to write an art. This is a PhD. But what is it with like repressed BIPOC queers, especially the non-binary ones, the ones with having problems with the gender? They're just like, you know, like, oh, this is a little fluff on the wind. I don't need nothing from nobody in terms of gender. Uh, why do they love 50s Audrey Hepburn? But they do, and I was like, haha. Foolproof vibe je ne sais quoi look to be heterosexual and to pursue the very heterosexual and cisgender uh, degree of a master's in women and gender studies because I really thought I was fooling everyone and I remember being like I refuse to come out as queer officially because I've been coming off out on and off over years and people do I talked about it I have friends who I complained about I was like why do I like women I don't like that anyways I was like god if I come out as queer and non-binary during me getting this master's everyone's gonna be like oh the, the masters did it and I'm like oh leave me alone it's just a bit embarrassing I don't I don't want to be I don't want to do that you know like that's embarrassing I want some dignity I don't want it to be so obvious I want to be a little bit more esoteric stylish you know brooding and European like Julie Binochet who was and I know I had other influences, but it was pretty much a tie between the two. And then, yeah, I thought I had people fooled, and then I was like, queer outlet, you always have really short hair. And, right, bad diaspora poetry. And that's how, like, that's how I know too much about something that shouldn't be my damn business in the first place. And then the weird thing about me is even though I wrote, I had my stint in milk and honey, uh, you know, penitentiary, state penitentiary, uh, I am I, real macho about poetry. I don't like to read it. I don't like to feel. I'm like, poetry's super sissy. I don't know why I'm like this. I'm a real cowboy about poems, I guess. I, you know, I just, I just can't. I mean, I read it occasionally. I read, and I'll be like, oh, that's really, oh, that was good. That was a good one. Touche. You got me. But I'm also just like, you know, I do not accrue books of poetry naturally. I will look at it and I, uh, I'll i be like, I remember the time I got a copy of Pale Fire not really knowing what it was and I was like, oh damn, I don't, I thought I was gonna have a book, like a juicy book. I like reading plays. I love reading plays, but I can't do poems and I feel like a fraud, but you know, at least I'm not like, <laughs> Of sissy writing poems so I mean oh uh, I think I still do I'm a pro, I'm a pro I don't know I'm a pros and con honestly the way I write I have no I, li I like I like to just have a lot of words 
I like poetical elements. I love cocteau, but you know, I like a cocteau novel, for example. Like, people come into my house, like, being like, ooh, like, I'm gonna look at their bookshelf, but it's full of poem books, and I'm gonna get some good poetry recommendations and to be honest i got like a couple books i think most of them are gifts or me beating myself up and being like you gotta buy a book of poems man you gotta try especially with a stereotype of your audience like oh yeah you gotta love them i got like like i don't know i i don't i got like maybe three in there I put a Paris review that I got for free off the top of a trash can in there. So I feel real glad. Like, that's how I get poems into my life. And everyone is so disappointed in me. Because I know I did my... I was, I know I was, like, in my secret lab being like, Oh, if I compare home to the smell of star jasmine... I've conjured myself up a real good poem, you know. Shazam! Good stuff. You know, normal repressed homosexual immigrant kid stuff. And then, yeah, that's a Merry <coughs> Christmas to you all. This is my gift to you, my raw and un. un, un flinching glimpse into my horrible life. Uh, anyways, uh, first attraction and correction is I had a really bad week, and I also had a cold, so I've been asleep pretty much almost every day this week, and I didn't get to do retractions and corrections, so I'm just doing the one that I remember off the top of my head, which is that I thought I remember to make a joke in while a segment was happening but I was too high and I forgot to say it and then I listened back once and I was like oh god damn it I forgot it and here it is in the episode where I talk about the plight of the leech collector again I think the worst job you can have at any point in history they gotta get like a Jimmy Hoffa for leech collectors they gotta unionize them they gotta be like Local leech collector union number six six seven. You know, they gotta pay their dues, and then they gotta. St- they really will have scabs when they strike because their wounds will finally clear up and heal because they're not getting bitten by leeches and suffering things like you know impact immune systems and healing. Cause you know if you're getting bitten by leeches or whatever. And you're just bleeding out for 10 hours, actual uh, fact. You really need scabs so you can have some scabs because your body will be too depleted of energy to heal itself otherwise. But boy, I feel bad for those guys. Maybe like the scabs where, oh, maybe that's when the old horses would come in. I don't don't even want to think about it. Anyways. Well, the joke I thought I made, but I forgot to say, was when I was talking about how Amy Tan, the author, had a terrestrial leech named after her because the terrestrial leech was a character in her book. I thought I had remembered to make the joke that the book that she wrote about terrestrial leeches was called The Joy Suck Club. But I forgot. So that's my only, like, truly 
legitimate retraction and correction. The rest are just more like, you know, general housekeeping. We're just like, oh, think I think you should do, but I don't want to do a whole ass segment about it because I already have a segment like that. It's my, my opinion column, you know? Very picky hill of me. But it's my little Christmas gift for me to you because this is a merry ho 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 home companion with me Donarchy here on BFF.FM and I am Aunt Don Legay and this is the Church of Santa so we gotta keep talking about Santa stuff and a Santa related housekeeping item to bring up housemate meeting is uh that when film bros are like ah i am annoying and white and i have been outdated even for like the more highfalutin edge lords you know they got they got they they think they they think they're hiding it but it comes out one way or the other and the way it comes out sometimes is in the opinion that Die Hard is a Christmas movie. And sure, why not? There's a lot of Christmas movies that are Christmas movies, but they're also not explicitly Christmas movies. Like, look who's talking. There's like not even, I don't even think snow shows up in that movie. It's like a sunny day. There's some exterior shots of uh, Christmas trees and lights all of a sudden out of nowhere. So, you know, okay, we get it. But if you want to really stump them, and you're like, you know, I know something better than Die Hard. It's more like Blow Hard. It's this talk show with Don Archie on it. And um, the opposite of Bruce Willis because I have lots of hair, he doesn't. I would love to see the inside of Bruce Willis's secret wig collection, but I don't think that's something we'll ever get to see. I, that was my situation, Viking funeral, you know, erase all traces. Anyways, um, well, uh, and he's an action, he's not at home, he's not a home companion, he's an action star, he's out and about. But one thing, I love Bruce Willis so much, and one thing I gotta say, He's a fabulous comedian. I love that. Like, one of the funniest guys I can think of. Anyways, if you like to, you know, what up these uh, upstarts, you tell them about this show because I think it's technically, I think I, I don't, I think I technically uh, recorded the pilot unreleased. Woo. Uh, in December, I might not have, I don't know, but whatever it was, I was like, I need to have an intro song to this, and I'm lazy, and, uh, I'm a very lazy, maybe that's why I don't like poetry, I'm a very lazy person, and I don't like doing things, and I need a secretary, I really am a cowboy, I really do have a, you know, Tammany Hall, you know, Politician Janice Aquatomy. I'm just getting my stenographer to do it. I don't know. But who am I kidding? I had a weird macho thing about smoothies up until about 
two weeks ago, so I don't know what's wrong with me. Like I said, when I was trying to be a heterosexual, I did it with the aplomb and application of Liberace wearing one of his sparkly capes. Like, I was like, yeah, I can do this. I'm gonna learn what a Chimala jean is for myself, but not even- I'm gonna wash those pants. I don't give a shit about raw denim. I'm washing it, you know, like, I'm not an animal. Because if you didn't know, you if you want, like, people, people, people don't wash those because for a whole reason. I don't even want to get into it. They put them in the freezer to kill the the germs. But anyways, when people like that tell you who, who are wearing the frozen, defrosted Swanson's frozen pants, you know. Jolly green giant ass pants, and they're telling you Die Hard is a Christmas movie. Can you tell them that this is a Christmas radio? It, local community radio station thing that you should listen to on Christmas every year on the dot. Uh, because uh, I my lazy ass was like, you know it's a public domain song, Good King Wenceslas, I'll just use that. And that was my intro song. And then, I think it was recorded sometime, but whatever it was, the the deals, the deal with, to be done, that were done, did, uh, were happening sometime in December, January to get me this show, and that's, that's what happened. And so this, this does count as Christmas media. A heretic home companion indeed. Oh my god, America won. Won another soul. Oh, but at least I don't do the liminal poetry, you know. Who knows what I say? My smother, mother, mother, rose petal, rose water. And then, oh, I just, I can't stand it. I, I mean, like, just all poetry. Like, the only poem book I really want is I want that Hafez one so I can do my, like, the fall, you know, the, the fortune telling one. Like, give me that. Good translation, because most of them are bonkers. Um, and then I'm, I'm Gucci. And I don't need any more poetry. Yeah, I'm like looking at my shelf now, and I'm like, the, the, oh, I see that guilty attempt I never read. Oh, yeah, there you go. I try. Um, because I know I look like I'd like that. I know I look like a vegetarian who likes poetry, but I ain't. Anyways, um, no, actually, no. Most people went up me. I'm not a vegetarian. I'm a vegan, and I'm not the most adventurous meat eater. So they might be on. I mean, I, 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 I don't know. I don't like. I don't really. I'm, I'm, I'm excited for the invention of 3D printed meat because. I'm kind of inherently a vegetarian. I don't want anybody to die for me, but I also have very limited uh, options of what I eat because I'm diseased. Um, anyways, yeah, this really is like the Donna and Arky Osmond, you know, instead of Donnie and Marie. I guess Donna and Marie, but who's Marie? Well, the Donna and Aki Osmond Christmas special, isn't it, little everybody's or Donna and Marie Osmond, you know. 
When I was, I don't know. When I, I, I don't know how, where, where, if this, I don't even know if I should try to make the pun even easier to understand because I have to realize that, you know, most of my listeners, if they know how to use a laptop or a cellular phone proficiently enough to listen to this radio show and they know a website besides Facebook, they might be over the ages of 73 and I might not even get or care about these references so I should just do the show. Anyways, back to the actual content of the show which is Christmas junk because Santa is the true Harry Ho ho home companion. This is not that big old beer. But his hairline always fluctuates depending on the je ne sais quoi. He's supposed to body like if he's a stressed Santa, he's balding. If he's a, a Santa doing alright, he's got a full luscious head of hair. Like, I don't know. Like, does Santa have a toupee? Did his hair plants, you know, hair transplants get rejected? Like, why is Santa's hairline so arbitrary? Because when you compare him to the male father figure, it's very, you know, psychological, this episode, really. Uh, when you compare him to the guys in Halloween, they all have very defined hairlines. Dracula has a widow's peak. Frankenstein has Frankenstein hair. He looks like Archangel's era Grimes. We know. I have bangs like that too sometimes when I make a mistake. But it's because I don't know what I want to do with them. So I, you know, if you have a suggestion about what I should do with them, please let me know because they're driving me nuts. But anyways, yeah, I, I'm, I am curious. I'm just a little nervous that I am, am I like mandeling my affecting myself to various kinds of santa hairlines like i'm just gonna google santa hairline okay yeah i'm seeing a variety i'm not like i was like wait is santa always bald like is he canonically bald or is is he sometimes bald and it turns out he's 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 any hairline you could think of and i i really wonder why he doesn't have one unified one but like i said I I think it's because, you know, no, uh, there's like, huh, I guess I'm not the only person who ponders uh, Santa's hairline because as I'm trying to go back to the script, I swear to God I am, uh, I have now found an article from the Belgravia Center, sounds very Dracula, but it's not, or maybe it is, uh, because, uh, You never know. Maybe it's a Nightmare Before Christmas type situation. It's both of them. Uh, They wrote an article titled, Could Santa's Lifestyle Affect His Hair? And then, Under the Red Hat, Does Father Christmas Worry About Hair Loss? And they're, they're like, Whoa, they're, they're, they're analyzing Santa. They're like, oh, he, wow, they're like, he always wears a hat, so he's probably, because, you know, if you're always wearing a hat, the hat, wearing the hat's gonna make you go bald. So they're like, first sign. And then, cold and snow, 
and it is uh, affecting blood flow to his scalp, and there's no sunlight, and he's got a strange diet, and uh, yeah, oh, the Belgravia Center is a hair transplant center. Oh, so they also know that they're like, Santa, we know the transplant's rejected. We've seen it happen time and time again. We don't know your address, so, you know, call us, book an in-clinic consultation, or on, we can do Zoom. Santa, can you do Zoom? Can you have, do, do, do one of your elves know how to set up Zoom? We'll do Zoom. We'll Zoom. And that's what they're doing. Ah, genius marketing. Well, I'm sure Santa will see that sooner or later, but, uh... You know what? Right before a commercial, I've, made, I've decided to bring up something that I was going to do as a segment, but I realized it's more like kind of a retraction and correction and, and passing, and it is Christmas-themed, you know? And what could be more Christmas than honoring the time-honored Victorian tradition of doing something scary for Christmas? That's why a Christmas Carol is a ghost story, because the uh, Victorians were like, Christmas, good time to gab about the ghouls. Gabagool indeed. Well, um, I'm doing something scary, which is just me doing the show. Haha. <laughs> so the, the thing that I wanted to bring up is kind of like a local history thing, but it's, it, it's more of like an impassing local history. I don't, I looked it up. I couldn't find that much information besides like it was really good food and it's sad it's gone. But if you ever are driving in that part of Oakland, I don't know where, what street it is, but I gotta figure that out. I should have figured that out before I did the retraction correction. But it's where the Angel Cakes Bakery, the cupcake place is. Like, when you drive past the building and you're like, huh, the Angel Cake Bakery place looks like a perfect, cute little place for a cupcake bakery to be. And then you drive by and you're like, did I just hallucinate what seems to be some kind of, like, gazebo with glass and, like, a gingerbread man and a candy cane Like, did I, did I, what? And then, like, you also, like, drive, you drive, you're like... I know that that's the way that you drive when you want to get from Oakland to Alameda and you see like the big Star Wars, you know, at, at guys stomping around the harbor, that area. Uh, I don't know what you call it. There's apparently something called the Bret Hot Pier um, and or parlor or something over there. I don't know. We're talking to for next week. But yeah, if you're just like, I'm seeing this, is, is it just because are really Christmassy and cute over here? And you're not wrong, that used to be a really famous Southern Creole restaurant called TJ's Gingerbread House, which is also apparently a song by Chuck Mangione. Wow, I only know about him because of King of the Hill, but... I guess, I don't know, like, TJ Robinson would be offended because, like, you gotta be a real Chuck Mangione fan to be like, I am doing a restaurant na named after it, the song, but also me, which is cute. I love that. And, and I'm gonna go with the whole, everything's gonna be gingerbread themed. I'm gonna make it look like a big old cute gingerbread house. And you gotta be a real, you know, Mangione aficionado.
to do that. You're a big fan of the guy. Uh, so I think she would be like, you, you stink. I'd be like, she'd be like, what song do you know? And I'm like, the one on the show. And then she'd be infuriated with me. Well, I guess let's get back to the manger babies. As in, the manger is Christmas. We gotta talk about Christmas, not about the manger babies and king of the hill. Uh, we are uh, headed towards the manger, yes. Now, if you really have thought, if you're just like just tuning into a Harry Home Companion here on BFF.fm and you're like, the, the this coherent rambling, this is some weird evangelical preacher dancing around with the snake broadcast in some really scarily religious, like, children of the corn ass, you know, show for Christmas Eve. I can't believe I finally heard one of those. He thinks that he's healing someone with cancer, but he's just putting some bacon dyed with like purple goo on that person's body, like with sleight of hand and being like, oh, see, there's the tumor. And let me clean up the, you know, I know how it works. Wow, I can't believe I'm face to face with this on Christmas. How could someone ruin such a fabulous holiday? But how would I know? I'm Muslim. I've always seen it from the outside in. My parents were like, ah, an opportunity to buy. We, 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 uh, in liminal space, this, you little sons of bitches. Uh, we're gonna give you a nominal Christmas where we put up a tree and, uh, no relatives or anyone comes over and there's no festivities because, like, why would you do that? Uh, it's just about putting up a tree and looking at it. And we shall use Christmas time as an opportunity to buy household appliances. But save that from Santa to you. So you will get things like, you know, printers and rice cookers and a radio for your dad and complexes. And that's why you end up doing a Christmas episode, even though you have not celebrated Christmas in bajillions of years and you have no emotional attachment to it. But technically, weirdly enough, five generations ago, your family was celebrating Christmas because weirdly enough, on your paternal side, you are the direct descendants of illegally trafficked Georgian children from Artsakh, what is, you know, modern day Artsakh in Armenia. During, they were illegally trafficked from there to Iran in the late Qajar era, and then they were converted to Islam. And maybe you should do a Christmas thing as like a cute little like, hey, ancestral thing. But they do real intenso Christmas where you gotta really, you, you gotta have, you gotta burn stuff. And it's a lot of extra work. And I'm like, maybe there's wisdom to it. Like, it's just a tree. But then you, you can have people come over. It could just be tree and people coming over. Like, when you get into, like, the real, like, you know, M Middle Eastern and Central Asian Christianities, they really go for it. They can make you do jumping jack. It's exercise. You gotta slog things around. You gotta take a lot of steps. And then you don't get a party until January where everyone's like, what are you nuts? Like, what are you doing here? You're still Christmasing. And you're 
do they i guess they should have fun. there has to be some element of fun it can't all just be grueling labor but uh yeah but you're lazy and you're me so you don't do anything but then you do a christmas episode because why the hell not and in as for the gifts um in order to because clearly this is like some kind of like i'm some kind of Ebenezer Scrooge-like figure being like, I'm going to ruin Christmas. Well, I was visited clearly by all the three Christmas ghosts, Christmas present past, and maybe future, ooh, Christmas on the moon. That's where Christmas will be for me next year, 2024, the moon. Uh, you know, we've done the whole, I've been visited by them. I've decided, Ah, I will be a good Ebenezer Scrooge, and I will give these guys a good Christmas. And, oh, I will also be generous and give money to the poor little Tiny Tim of a radio station that I've been bullying into, uh, you know, submission and lording over and torturing. I, I will give them some money. I will give them a goose. And, uh... Instead of being a goose, which is one of the two Persian words for fart, goose is a loud, smelly fart, which is what I'm being. I'm also being goose peach. These are the only words I know in Persian. I only know bad fart-related ones. We have a lot of fart-related terminology. This is your real Christmas present, actually. Learning how to say goose, which is a lot. I I've done the entire show. Also, if we're going to talk about diaspora poetry, we're going to talk about diaspora comedians because there is a type of comedy, and I've written about it in this article. I wrote about Nandorf in uh, What We Do in the Shadows, who also has very, you know, as a Halloween-related father figure, has got a great hairline. Unlike Santa, his, his is very defined. But anyways, um... Uh, there's diaspora comedy where basically it's like, what if I become a very rich and famous comedian because I'm an immigrant first generation child and what if I just do imitations of my parents' accents and I talk about them and then you can become a multi-bajillionaire overnight and, you know, what restraint I've shown as somebody, you know, Really, you know, definitely fits into some of into those cat. I could have really done it, and uh, but I, it took me almost a year. Almost uh, I, next month is my my, my one year anniversary, uh, and that means you the statues of limitations are up, and you can all sue get me off of here. Uh, yeah, it's next month, but uh, no, no, no. no. Let's go, let's go back to donation. Please, poor, look at, look at him, Tiny Tim. Oh, Tiny BFF.FM. It kind of sounds like Tim if you say it. I don't know. Well, let's give him some money. And I don't, don't need to be so, such a goose. Oh yeah, Chose. That's a word for silent but deadly. And then there you go, Goose and Chose. You now know the two words that I know. Impression, and that's why I'm like, boy, there's a lot of those. That's a lot of pressure to put on me to be like, yeah, I could, 
I can get away with writing diaspora poetry. Because at least some, if you're lucky, you're fluent. If you are semi-lucky, you know a few nice words. Uh, uh, or you're somewhat fluent. I don't know. I don't know any nice I don't know bad words. And like what are two nice words? And uh, yeah, I was, I'd be like, let me look up how you, how, how you say this. You send your friends some messages and you just explain yourself real nice. Anyways, uh, yeah, no, no, no more of any of that. Uh, that's no more Christmas goose. I'm the Christmas goose. Oh, uh, anyways, uh, well, I will, instead of that, I will give bff.fm a Christmas goose that lays golden eggs as in donations ah yes like the evil homophobic Santa's bringing frogs outside of an Ike's loving sandwiches probably I don't know where they hang out I don't dive bars probably but anyways for whom the bell tolls is uh Ernest Hemingway looks like Santa, but he doesn't look like the Ernest who saves C Christmas. So, well, anyways, so for whom this bell tolls is BFF.FM, and I will now read from the script. Have you considered donating to BFF.FM yet? You should. Not only is this such a unique community radio station that reflects and respects the diversity of the Bay Area, but it keeps weirdos like me busy, so we don't invent the world's first Christmas-themed strip club, complete with North Pole. Emmett Otter's Jugland. To quote Bing Crosby, it's beginning to look a lot like tits and ass everywhere I go. Instead of Will Ferrell as an elf, we've got elves that will make you go feral. Now you get why they were coming a wassling. We put the sin bad in Christmas, and I don't mean jingle all the way. Get yourself down to bff.fm slash donate where you can send a one-time donation or set up a monthly recurring donation and be our bestie with benefits. And if you are on the naughty list but are attempting to negotiate, or if you are on the good list and you are intending to keep your place in that hallowed spot on Santa's list, uh, Santa's a surveillance state, you can go to bff.fm slash 2023 and you can donate extra money for ongoing things that we need help with oh and plus i mean even if you're approaching this neutrally as in like who's santa to find what is good or bad anyway santa the santa opticon really when you think about it you can just be like, wait, Krampus protection. So that is also how it folk it is. It, it's like a Bengayus for the Krampus, I guess. I don't know. Bengayus for cramps. I, I'm sure I work on Krampus. Did you know that if you're if you're really bad, and I will, I'm pretty sure I'm right about this. 
uh, and recharge, recharge for next week if I was right or not. But I, I'm like, I remember being like, oh, that makes sense. Um, but I remember reading that if you were really, really, really bad, the Krampus would not only smack you with a bunch of sticks, whack you, real psychosexual, like if you took the timber toes and used them to hit Goofus, not Gallant, I think Gallant got a kind of ominous mafioso type gesture like some candy in your shoes but it could be you know something worse like maybe we a horse is heading there next time you know uh Krampus Nicholas I think the, where are they from oh actually it's a uh, Santa Claus in the, the, the in the Netherlands the Dutch Sinterklaas if you're really naughty he takes you away to Spain and I'm like fabulous. I would love to be real naughty. You know, like what could be more Middle Eastern haughty than taking a casual Spanish vacay? Who's the real Ernest Hemingway now? Oh God, it's me. Oh, if I went to Spain, I would have an Ernest Hemingway of a time. I would not have a relaxed like Middle Eastern haughty of a time. But I could make it look that way, you know, I, but it wouldn't, the opposite would be, that's kind of my life, uh, honestly. Uh, but yeah, uh, the sun would also be rising and setting for me. I don't know if I got out of Spain alive, uh, but yeah, since you're close, take me there. I shall meet my destiny. Um, because the reason why Cinderclaus takes you to Spain is that when this myth popped up, it was when the Dutch and the Spanish were at war with each other. And they were just like, oh, but they'll take the little Dutch children to Spain and they'll, they'll whack, they'll get rid of you. They don't like you at all. And the Ottoman Empire was involved for some reason. And then, uh, oh, according to this, the Dutch were fighting under the Turk and ra Tur the, the slogan, rather Turk than Papist, because they who cares? It's all the same. You guys, <laughs> the Christianities are the same. I don't know what you're so fucked up about. Just get over it. Consolidate, man. See, this is my real edgelord take. I don't get why there has to be so many. Um, but Merry Christmas to you all. Like I said, I'm a real Scrooge-like character this Christmas. Real Grinchin. Uh, you know, I'm sure Scrooge and the Grinch have relapses. Like, it is hard work to reparent your inner child. And, like... I'm sure they had moments, and then, like, you gotta do stuff like, I don't know, there's 12 days of Christmas, I'm sure they got, like, a 12-step, I know they got 12-step programs for, like, codependency and stuff, so they gotta got, like, a 12 days of Christmas step program or something. Anyways, let me do a segment, damn it, with 12 minutes left into the show, and that's the gift I'm gonna give to you, 12 minutes left in the show. That's all you get. You, I don't know. This is one. This must be the you know psychological torture. Like the Krampus is all up in your brain and whacking your 
hippocampus with a bunch of sticks. Being like, you gotta remember this forever. This is your trauma forever. This show, this Christmas episode, and um, yeah. Well, um, I, you know what? This is day one of the 12 day of Christmas step program for me as a Scrooge ruining Christmas. This is a this first day. I got a partridge and a reparenting. That's what I get. I get a damn pear tree. I would love a pear tree. That would be fabulous. I would love to sit by it and relax and have a pear when it's when, when, when it's ready. Anyways, but as step one, I will actually do a segment now. And uh, our first segment is Wacky Facts. Latin name Wackiest Factus. Each week, my stone ass learns you a weird and interesting fact about every subject possible, from animals to history and everything in between. This week's fact. So, if Victorian Christmases are going to be about ghosts and the supernatural, I mean, that's why Turn of the Screw takes place during Christmas. Uh, you gotta make some ghosts. And the way you do that is by taking in the other by taking in the other Victorian Christmas tradition because you know you gotta have a, a whole you gotta have resources. In this nightmare before Christmas scenario, this is the second time this movie's come up in the show, but that's really what Victorian Christmases were like. They were frightening because they loved to play real scary supernaturally aligned violent games for Christmas so you gotta you know if you need a ghost you gotta make sure people are getting bumped off regularly and then they can they'll they'll show up suitably upset about Christmas to star in your Christmas Carol whatever like it's a self-perpetuating cycle like I would out like if you kill people on Christmas they will definitely show up on Christmas again because they're just like man I'm so pissed that you blew my head off with the game of Snapdragon which is a game where you lit a bunch of brandy on fire and you put some raisins in there and the people were like oh my god I really gotta get these raisins the raisin hellfire and then grab the raisins out of the fire or the nuts uh and uh, they were like this is fun I grabbed the raisin out of the burning brandy well if you died from that because it would probably happen in the Victorian era um you know you will definitely have a ghost be like man I'm so pissed at you guys so it was it was a really smart business move for the Victorians to do that and I see why that was kind of like when they were really figuring out capitalism I mean capitalism still sucks I hate it but back when they were just like hmm less you know we're doing it more blatantly now they just do it more sneakily it's the same bullshit same everything they just got neoliberalism to be like ooh but you get representation while we do it and so uh but back when they're like why don't we just put arsenic in your bread and you don't know or uh, we don't care I'll find out I 
don't care. Like, they, they could, they, they, they did that versus now where they do it to people the same way, just differently. You got yoga mats in your, you know, subway. Um, your subway, a sandwich bread. Oh, the 12 inches of Christmas food, a footlong special. Subway, hire me. I could. Anyways, instead of Subway where you eat fresh, Chris, Victorian Christmas games were ones where they ate flesh. As in, you would play a more violent version of Blindman's Bluff, which is a very ambitiously named game, but that's what they called it. And you'd tie a blindfold on someone and they'd look for you. And you would be allowed to body slam them and pummel each other and... Oh, I forgot, uh, for Snapdragon, I think the flames, like, were blue because it was branded, burning, or something. I'm, I could be wrong. I'll look it up real fast. But the way that you play the game is that you would grab the burning grape or raisin and put it in your mouth. And you would usually get real burnt up, real toasty, but that's more like Quiznos than Subway. Uh, another, uh, game that people like to play, like, uh, a la Saw, was that, um, they would drink a bunch of booze with a bunch of nutmeg and sugar in it to make it fancy, and then they would try to spin around 50 times in a minute, and then all hell would break loose in a very, uh, Psychological Fanny and Alexander kind of way. Uh, and uh, they would also play another game where they'd play it kind of called it was called Hoop and Hide, which I think is very cute. I like saying that Hoop and Hide, which is a subsidiary of the similarly named Hide and Seek. Um, and the differences is that if you and another person were caught near bed you'd have to kiss and what could be more psychosexual than an evening of beating each other up making each other vomit uh lighting each other on fire and kissing and uh i'm starting to wonder you know like i know the stereotype was that victorians were prim and popper and i know they were real repressed but I think it was coming out in real weird ways. Like this Christmas stuff. And I know it used to be, but I don't even know if it was that. I think they might have just been crazy and delusional. They're like, no, we're doing it the right way. You guys are weird and gross with your like regular bathing. You know, but like, like it was normal for women to just like poop in the street. Like they just pop a squat. And just go and like that was like absolutely like, nobody would you know no one would pay attention if it happened it was normal and I really think they should like do a pride like what well, I don't know that's a word Georgian I don't remember well they should do a Victorian movie like uh oh they can do a Christmas do an accurate Christmas Carol with all these accurate behaviors in it and predilections so that people would see what it was like because and this is also like you know a real high high point in colonialism where they 
it kind of got everybody. And, uh, you also kind of get, uh, like, mass, uh, involvement and personal investment in, like, colonialism through, like, you know, post-cause and the invention of, like, mass media and things that can get mailed and stuff like the images and, and photographs and stuff is all tied in with each other. And so people like are like, yeah, like Ruger Kipling's like, you guys, this is a good idea. We should definitely do this and you should feel real good about it. And we're gonna make everybody over there look like the real dumb. And that's how, and bad, evil, and the devil. And that's how we Victorians, as we are safe and white Anglo-Saxons only, be, uh, we, we can't conceptualize anyone else being here. And if we do, oh, we're going to be real mean to them because they're definitely there and people are being real mean to them. Well, those people are just uncivilized as we play our games of questions and commands, which is... Oh, kind of like truth or dare, but it's more like a truth or scare because if you did not remember to completely follow a command or remember something correctly, they will throw a bunch of soot from the fire into your face. And they really like playing with fire. Apparently there is a non-seasonal quotidian version of Snapdragon called Flapdragon. Where you have a mug of ale with a candle in it and you're trying to drink out of that cup without lighting your facial hair or head hair on fire. And uh, maybe, you know what, if these are games that they're playing regularly and they're like, boy, I could really go for getting lit on fire right now. Boy, the, we, the real thing that's been lit is we've been gaslit. Uh, but thinking that's superior to the rest of us, cause boy, that's bonkers, and they're just doing that for fun every day. And they're like, ah, I could. it's like they're unwinding after a long day. Time to flambe. I don't get it. Well, they're banana fosters. They're bonkers, bananas. And there's a Victorian era. era uh, Merry Christmas, I'm Muslim, this is a Harry Home Companion with me, Donna Arkey, uh, here on BFF.FM. Please don't try to pass us off as Ira Glass when you complain to the FCC. And, uh, free Palestine, and learn about the protests going on in Iran. Love you all, bye!